Be seated. Uh, Alan, I echo exactly what you said about that song. Um, it was really speaking to me. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to be able to come up here and even say anything. I'm just uh, really just taking in how much God loves us. And, uh, you know, at, at, this, at this time of year, we... Uh, well, let me ask you this question. How many of you guys are ready for Christmas? How many of you guys are ready for Christmas? I, I see a raise of hands. And usually when I ask this question, uh, just going about my business, like I was in the barber shop yesterday getting my hair cut, and almost everybody was like, I'm not ready. And why? Because the focus, the focus is usually on the stuff we need to do before the day of, right? And usually that means gift buying, the hustle and bustle, the uh, uh, having to do this, having to do that, having to go over here, having to do this, having to do that. And so many times in our culture, especially in America, it gets lost on us. It gets lost on the fact of what Christmas is really about. Now, I mean, if, you, if you've done any study, we know that Jesus' birthday was not the 25th of December. We know that. But this is the day that we celebrate as the birth of Christ. As the birth of our Savior. As the birth of our Redeemer. And sometimes I think we can take that too lightly. Um, in the church especially, we can... Uh, you know, and I, I was raised in the church all my life, so you have uh, uh, all these things that happen, like the Christmas festivals, right? You know, where, you know, well, we got everybody singing in a choir. And, and um, I remember one year I got coerced into singing a duet with my dad. The worst experience ever. Uh, it, it was terrible. It was terrible. I mean, I can't sing, but my dad can't sing even more than me. And uh, it was just bad. And, 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 you know, the pressures that we feel during this time of year, um, being the chaplain at the nursing homes, uh, Sycamore and Seneca, by the way, I, I thank everyone for getting gifts for these residents. Um, we just had our, our holiday um, festival or holiday um, feast, if you will, um, scenic was last week, uh, this past week was Sycamore and, you know, there's families coming in and, 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 and getting to celebrate some time with their, their loved ones that they don't always see maybe because of distance or maybe, a, you know, just busyness. But it, it, it struck me, it struck me that there's, there's residents there that had no one. There's residents there that had absolutely no one, no family that showed up. And maybe they did have family somewhere that chose not to for whatever reason. Or they just don't have anybody. And, and this, this time of year kind of amplifies that, right? This time of year amplifies the Christmas blues, if you will. The, the, the time, uh, you know, where almost depression sets in. And, and, and that's a reality. That's a reality for a lot of people. Even people that have family. Sometimes... It, it's depressing to go to family, family events, depending on your, your family dynamics. And 
what is this Christmas time all about? Is it about the hustle and bustle? Is it about, is it about all this stuff that we, we look at? You know, um, and, and, and for some of us, there's baggage. Uh, I was just talking to a really good friend of mine this week who happens to be another pastor, and he, he said, I hate this time of year because it reminds him of when his mom and dad split up when he was a very young, at a very young age. And so there, there, there's some baggage with this time of year, even though I, lo- I, I, and I honestly, I love this time of year. I love between Thanksgiving through the new year. I love this time of year. I, there's something about this time of year that, that charges me up and, and, and just, I want to celebrate. But why? Why do we celebrate? And why can this, this, this year, time of year, be joyful? And, and it ultimately comes down to this, guys. And it's pretty much what we just sang about. This song that, that Alan had him uh, play again, which I was so glad he did, because I was just like, that's the sermon right there. <laughs> really, it is. But that line where, my sin was great, but his love was greater. And that's, that's really what it's all about, guys. That God loves you. Let me say that again. God loves you. That's what this is all about, guys. And that's what really the gospel is all about. The gospel is all about God loving you so much that he gave up something. And that's awesome to think about. And that's what I really want us to gravitate towards this morning as we, as we talk, as we, as, as we look at, at the Word. I want us to really dig in to know how much, how much Jesus loves you. Because that's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. And we can look at, we can look at different verses there. Uh, Romans 5, 8, it says, you know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 3.16, probably one of the most quoted verses in the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then 1 John 3.16, I, I love this verse. It says, this is how we know what love is. That Christ laid his life down for us. And at the core of the gospel message, that's what it's about. That, that God didn't say... Well, you guys, you made a mess. Sin has entered in the world. You have made that choice. I love you guys. Good luck with that. It's not how God show, it, even loves us, does it? He shows us his love. He demonstrates his love. His love demands an action. Because he knew without his action that we would be forever lost. Just as Alan said, we would be lost in the depths of hell. And really, what is hell? Hell is complete separation without him. That's really what hell is. I mean, we can, we can talk about the brimstone. We can talk about the fire. We can talk about, we can talk about all, the, all the physical things that hell brings. And it's true. It's a true literal place of, of agony and, and something that we can never, ever 
understand or comprehend here on earth. But the worst part about hell is never, ever, ever being able to have a relationship with God. Being completely and totally separated from God for eternity, forever. That's really what hell is about. And I don't even want to think about how bad that would be. To think of, of, of some place where you would have absolutely no hope whatsoever. No hope. You know, we, we can talk about depression here on earth, but the depression would have to be a gazillion times worse because of you knowing that there is absolutely no way out of it. And that's what we deserve. That's what we deserve. Because the Bible is very clear, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet, God, because he loves us so much, has a plan. And it really, I just want us to look at this plan today. I mean, and for some of us, most of us, probably, it's nothing new. It's not, you know, but once again, I think sometimes we can take it for granted especially if you've been raised in the church all your life. Maybe, maybe there's some here that have never heard this before. And uh, uh, both of us need to hear this and remind us if, if we are truly saved, we need to remind ourselves of this every day. That the, the central core message of the gospel is that Jesus loves you, even though we're not worthy of his love. That's such good news for me and such good news for you. So if you want to turn to John, John chapter 1, um, and I'm just going to read a little bit of John chapter 1. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to look at a few other scriptures here, but I think we need to really wrap our, our, our mind around who God is and who Jesus is, because uh, in, 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 in our, our belief in, in Christianity, we believe that God is one, but he also is three in one, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and we see this made very clear here in John chapter 1. And I'm just going to go ahead and read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness was not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, but of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh 
and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This is, was who he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And, and the reason I'm reading this right here is to remind us where Jesus, who Jesus is, first and foremost. Jesus is God. And if, if, we, if we really think about who God is, he is like no other. Have you ever asked the question, where, where does God, where did God begin? Where did he start? And he didn't. He's always been there. He's always been there. And he's always going to be there. That in my, when I try to rationalize that in my human brain, I absolutely am, I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. This is how awesome God is, that he's always been there. Never had a beginning, never have an end. And this is Jesus. Jesus has always been there and is always going to be there. If we look in the, in the uh, Old Testament, um, I don't know if you guys remember the story of Moses where Moses says, God, I want to see you. And, 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 and God says, look, you can't see me fully as a human being because if you do, you're going to die. That's how, that's how awesome I am. That's how, that's how powerful I am. And once again, I think, I think sometimes we take things for granted. Being raised in a church And, and, and God is very approachable. At the same time, if we think about how truly awesome he is and truly powerful he is, there, there is nothing that compares to him. And if I would look at him in my, in my humanness, in his full glory, I would perish. I would, my, my human body would shrivel up and die because that's how awesome he is. And I, I think we, we need to wrap our minds around that. That is how big and how powerful God is. He has created everything we see around us. How did he create us? By speaking. Think about that. I mean, there was absolutely nothing, and God spoke things into existence. That's awesome. And if we don't take pause at that, and we don't take all in that, then we, we, I don't think we truly understand how awesome God is. That, that God is like no other. And he's so big that we in our humanness cannot wrap our minds around it. And yet, through Adam's, Adam's transgression, through, through Adam's choice of allowing sin to come in, and, and every single one of us has reaped that. Every single one of us have, has sin in our lives because of that. He chooses to love us. And he doesn't have to. He absolutely did not have to. He would have been fully justified to say, good luck with that. Your guys are on your own. 
And yet, he chooses to love us, chooses to love us. And, and that's what, what's so amazing about the gospel. Really it is. That in his choice to love us, how does he do it? He comes in human form. Jesus comes to earth in human form. In um, Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, starting in, in, in verse 2, or verse 5, excuse me, it says, your attitude should be that same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient to death, even death on the cross. So many times in, 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 uh, in our culture, uh, especially in church culture, we have romanticized the Christmas story. If we really, really think about the Christmas story, and I think most of us probably have heard it, but here's Mary pregnant, and it's a supernatural birth, or a supernatural um, conception. She's, she's a virgin, never had any sexual relations. But she carries Jesus for nine months. From that point on, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a natural uh, occurrence where she carries Jesus for nine months. And as Joseph and her are traveling because of a census, she is very pregnant on the back of a donkey. Do you ever think about the fact that, that Jesus, that God and Jesus decided, you know what, I'm going to come during this time when there's no vehicles, when technology is um, probably not the greatest. You ever think about that? that? That here is Mary traveling on the back of a donkey, very pregnant. Um, that cannot be very comfortable. I don't know. I, I've never been pregnant. But, uh, <laughs> but I don't know how many of you as, as, that have been pregnant or maybe are pregnant right now. How many of you guys would be like, you know what? I think it'd be fun to ride a donkey for a long period of time. I don't think anybody would say that that's a good idea in our humanness. And then when Mary gives birth, is it at the next, is it the general hospital? No. It, 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 there's not even a place in the inn for her to have, give birth. It is in a barn. And once again, we romanticize this. You know, and most of us probably have our manger scenes and, and, uh, Oh, and and it's so precious. And it is precious. Don't get me wrong. But think about how humbling that is. How many of you ever have been in a barn? And around here, it's pretty common, right? There's usually animals which smell themselves, right? But along with animals, there's other things like you got to watch where you step, right? 
it's not exactly the most glamorous place. And I, I, I don't think any of us here would say, my wife is pregnant, let's go find a barn. And yet, God in his perfect and ultimate plan chooses this birth to happen at this period of time and this place, a barn. You know, it would be humbling for, for, for Jesus to come and live in the greatest palace ever created. It would have been humbling for him to do that. It would have, you know, in, in the best times of technology, it would still have been humbling for him to come and, and, and live here at that time. But yet, he comes and he humbles himself even to our standards. Sometimes I don't think we think about that. Once again, I, we like to romanticize everything that happens. The fact is that God, the creator of the universe, made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. That's amazing. It's truly amazing to think about that. And, and what led this to him doing this? It was because he loves you. He loves me. He did this because he loves us so much. He, he lived a perfect life here on earth. And he has led, ultimately, to the punishment that I deserve, the punishment that you deserve. And that is a punishment on the cross. A death on the cross. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. A very public, a very humiliating death. A death only reserved for the worst of the worst. He chose to do that because he loves me and he loves you. The good news of the gospel is that he was not, he's not stuck on that cross. He goes to the tomb. The tomb is empty. And, and, and you know, I've said this before, many Christmases, especially at the nursing home, you know, a lot of times we like to kind of keep Jesus in these different places that we see him in the Bible. A lot of us like to keep him in the manger and have that little picture of a nice little baby Jesus, or we like to keep him on the cross. The cross is empty as well, and, and some of us in this culture like to keep him in the tomb but the tomb is empty. And all three things of him not being there, of him going from a baby to a man to the cross to death 
and conquering death. That's, that's victory for us. And we see <clears throat> in Philippians 2, starting in verse 9, it says, right after, it says, and even becoming obedient to death, death on a cross. It says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is such good news for us. If we have believed what he's done for us, if we have put faith in his work on the cross, in him coming and dying for us, that is such good news for us. And really, that <clears throat> there's two things that really have been um, speaking to me um, this, this holiday season. I, I really think that there's two things that should mark us as believers. When we, when we un- fully can understand what Jesus Christ has done for us, the fact that he has died for us, the fact that he even came, there's two things that should really mark us. That is one of being thankful and thanksgiving for what he's done. And the other is joy. And, and not just like a, a made-up joy, like, you know, well, you know, things are, you know, eh. But a joy, a joy that we have within us, knowing that Jesus Christ has loved me enough to do all these things we just talked about, and much more. You know, I, I um, the song, Joy to the World, the Lord, capital L, has come. And that for us as believers, for us that have we put our trust in him, that's such good news. There is joy in that. Um, I asked, I asked the, uh, the question at the nursing home, and you know, as I'm sitting there asking this question, I'm looking around the room, and uh, more than 50% of the people are in wheelchairs. Some of them have walkers because maybe they had a stroke and, and half their body doesn't work. Others are, are maybe uh, dealing with Alzheimer's. And yet, I look around the room and I say, guys, how can we, how can we sing joy to the world when, when things are not always going so well in our lives? And I had one, one guy just say, because Jesus did everything for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that really is what we should be looking at this, during this holiday season, once again, because Jesus loves us so much. Um, worship team, you can come on up. You know, one of, the, one of the things that as we look at in the scripture, in the beginning of, of, of Philippians um, chapter 2, and I read the 6 through 11, but there, there's, there's things that, that call us as believers, um, things that should be stirring in our hearts, just as, as Alan had shared, you know, uh, there's people that don't know Jesus. Um, and, and what's our response to that? Do we love people enough to share Jesus with them? Um, do we, we love people enough because of what Jesus has done for us to share the love that he has for us in their lives 
um, the beginning of chapter 2, it says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with, the, uh, with spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look at your own interests, but also the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ. And it goes on and talks about how he humbled himself. This, this call to this, this call to do something out of, out of what Jesus has done for us. It's not out of obligation. It's not out of obligation. It is, it is out, of, out of love. When we understand how much God loves us and what he's done for us, it should compel us. It should compel us to share that love with others. The same love that says that I'm not worthy of God's love. At the same time, you know, and this is the question I ask the nursing home all the time. Is it easy to love people? Sometimes, especially when they're nice to you. What about the person that's not so nice to you? What about the person that is, uh, is maybe the ball humbug attitude? Christ's love compels us to love them. Um, there, there's a story of um, a guy named John Harper. Anybody ever hear of that story? Anybody ever hear of John Harper? How about the Titanic? Anybody hear of the Titanic? John Harper was a pastor um, traveling back to America. He was from Scotland. Uh, he was going to Moody and um, to do a, a conference there. And uh, on the way, um, if I say the Titanic, most likely you most, most of you know that the Titanic got hit by an iceberg and started sinking. But even before the Titanic sunk, um, his sister and his uh, daughter with it, were with him in the, in the, on the voyage. And uh, they, they said, you know, he was constantly having conversations about Jesus with people. He was, he was constantly going around talking to people about Jesus. And it wasn't just because he was a pastor. It's because he truly loved people. But on the night that the iceberg hit the, the Titanic, instead of looking out for himself, instead of uh, looking out for his own interest. Um, he even made the comment, women, children, and unsaved men to the lifeboats. Because if we're saved, we know where we're going. If you're not saved, you're not ready to go. And he, would, he, was, he was going around constantly pleading with people to put their trust in Jesus. As, as the boat sank... He fell in the water. Uh, there's one account that I read where, where he actually threw his life, life jacket off and gave it to somebody else that didn't have him because he said, you need this more than I do. And the account is that he swam from lifeboat to lifeboat, pleading with people, are you saved? Do you know Jesus? And ultimately then, you know, he, he lost his life but really didn't lose it because he trusted Jesus. And, and guys, I, I think that to me, reading that was just an example, just an example of how someone that loves Jesus so much because Jesus first loved him 
understood how much we need to share that message with others. During this Christmas time, during this holiday time, I'd encourage you. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go up to a complete stranger and to say, do you know Jesus? But if the Holy Spirit's leading you, maybe, maybe that's what you're supposed to do. But it is me. I think, well, I'll read 1 John. 1 John 3.16 says the best. And I read the first part of this earlier. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. And we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers. I think that's, that sums it up so well. That Jesus, once again, loves us so much. It's an action. He came to earth, lived a perfect life, and he died. Died for you and me. And when we put our trust in him, we become heirs, co-heirs. We become children of God. We become part of his family. And ultimately, part of his family is loving others. Loving, loving others like he has loved me and you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much. The fact that you love us and that you care about us. The fact that you um, love us so much that you have sacrificed everything for us. And uh, right now, I just pray that you will just continue to lead us and guide us through your Holy Spirit. In your name I pray. Amen.